hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Welcome back to uh, Hampson with a Blunt Pen Knife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Four episodes in, and the Cybermen have just been revealed. Hello, Stephen. How are you today? Hello, Joe. I'm very well, and so, so happy to start a totally different story in which um, we leave behind the Spy-Fi four-parter and move into the Alien Invasion four-parter. It's still called The Invasion, though. So right. let's see how this goes. It's very nice to have these two four-parts bolted together with the same characters, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It must be like a, a novel way of saving money. Um, it's been a little while since we recorded the first four episodes. Yeah. Um, I don't entirely remember how the episode ended. Uh, ooh, hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm going to have to... You know, I remember. Hang on. That voice, isn't it? It's like... Comes out of the cocoon. That's right. Yes, Jamie's trapped in the uh, in, in that little um, coffin thingy with him. Yes, how could we forget? But it has been a while, and I totally did forget. Um, but yes, we've seen a Cybermen. They're here, and they're going to invade and take over the Earth. God knows why, but let's find out. I've got to be honest with you as well. But even before we go in, I think these cyber heads are like the best. I love these invasion cyber heads. I agree. And so does Brendan Jones. So when we chatted about this on the New To Who episode, when we recorded with Nathan and Dan in Sydney live, that was amazingly good fun, by the way. Um, Brendan and I both agree with you that these are the best retro classic Doctor Who cyber helmets. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it's Russell who uses that same helmet uh, in the Van Staten uh, Museum of the Dalek as well. He knows too. These are the best ones. And the way that uh, Joe Ahern got right in on the on <laughs> that part of the face, you know, like the eyes and the mouth. My God, that was so chilling. Um, well, I am ready to skip in if you are. I certainly am. Let's do it then. So finger on the button in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Go. Here we go. Um, now we've had some pretty strong cliffhangers already I think in this story I think the best are still to come though it's got to be St Paul's right oh, it has to be iconic it's an iconic and an immortal moment in Doctor Who history um, it does feel like a really um, visually important moment in Doctor Who that I think even the not we uh, would recognize if they were sort of you know, watching it at the time um that idea of of cybermen descending st paul's which we see again at the end of um dark water i think it is in in series eight i don't think it's as effective it's really like, no, in dark water i think i feel like uh, it is is leaning into nostalgia rather than having any kind of like reason for it to be there yeah i think you're probably right there it's, yeah, but also doesn't seem to be shot as uh, quite quite in the same way. But we'll get to that later on. How about this? It's the Doctor and Jamie in a little canoe. <laughs> you know my argument, my previous argument about writing Jamie out of season six. This story is just dismissing that argument with every scene that passes. You know. Yeah, but again, it's just the 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 double acts that we have throughout the entire story, and the Doctor and Jamie are probably the greatest double act of of the entire. Crowden era, you can't lose him. He's absolutely oh, critical. God, that line of Isabel's. Hey, are you stinking rich? 
<laughs> like it's not a given that these characters are likable is it but they are effortlessly likable yeah I, I feel as though they um i think it, a lot of it is down to the to the actors as well they're obviously having such fun there's there would have been a great chemistry amongst the guest cast and the regular cast as well but it feels like a, a special episode and maybe they knew that when they were making this yeah. here they are on the hercules set um, it sort of feels expensive. It is, um, talking of Brendan Jones earlier, something he mentioned, I think, on the FT episode, the, essentially the fifth anniversary story for Doctor Who. It's a celebration of, of uh, everything that we've seen so far. Did they know so, yeah. it was a blueprint for what was to come? Like, was it, was it created for that reason? I wonder. Or did they make it? I, oh, my God, this is, this is how. You know, because... There are other stories this season that could have been a blueprint for John Pertwee's time. The Space Pirates, for example. Space Pirates, I knew you were going to say that, yes, yeah. <laughs> no, I look, I probably feel that they settled on on this as blueprint for, for the Pertwee era um, around about this time, only because it's just far more cost-effective and you can shoot on location and it looks wonderful and all the rest of it. Um, and I know, but, I know I have been known to be a bit facetious, but don't even pretend for one second that had we gone into the 70s, yeah, and the third Doctor had been dumped into the world of the Space Pirates, and Jack May's character would have been the Brigadier <laughs> of that series, then you wouldn't be all over that shit, all right? <laughs> mm, yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> I actually feel you. As Pig Bing Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I actually feel when Sherwin leaves um, pretty much at the end, at the start of that, that series seven, we, whatever vision he had that is, um, you know, evidence here in, in these eight parts kind of goes with it. And we get a slightly different take, yeah. um, maybe a slightly harder, darker, more grittier, you know, uh, England in the seventies, you know, I'm thinking of things like the Sweeney and stuff like that, that kind of, um, uh, what you think that's what Sherman was going to deliver or you think that's what no. series season seven became when he left yeah it's what it's what it became when he left and I wonder whether had he stayed we would have essentially got um you know the new Avengers uh on yeah. on BBC um, it's interesting it? because Barry Letts and Terry Sticks obviously took over then from the Silurians onwards um and created that kind of really industrial quite cold yeah action-packed season seven but then completely pushed away from that in series season eight yeah but i don't i don't think any of well i don't think too much of that sort of um you know industrial well you know gritty uh, series seven season seven is present here um no. it's, it's very much that kind of fantastical um season eight really um vision of what doctor who and how it sort of intersects with uh, the earth it's not our earth it's it's a version of the earth that's you know maybe you know what, what was it uh, i forget the, the the terminology or something along the lines of you know a few minutes into the future that that oh, idea that yeah, we sort of yeah. it's a slightly parallel earth that is a little bit more um beset by technocrats like we have with um with um tobias vaughn here um and of course we don't have the mar we have the master who sort of fulfills that role as well in series eight on uh, season eight. It's the um, too serious and too gritty because you've got Packer turning it into a sitcom every five minutes, haven't you? Yeah, like, absolutely. Ridiculously incompetent all the time. Yeah, and that that is that kind of character and that kind of fluffier world is absent in 
in uh, season seven, I feel. I would have been really intrigued to see what Sherwin would have delivered just for one whole season. Because I think it mm. would be really entertaining. Um, by all accounts, you know, like a very uh, a creative man and formidable bloke, you know, like behind the scenes. I think he would mm-hmm. have, you know, been ordering the BBC bossy, give us some money, we're going to make this look as good as it's going to be. In spirit of face, he says on the commentary, he said, they told me I couldn't make this. I said, give me a couple of film cameras, I'm going off to shoot it. Mm, he was yeah. that, you know, like that can-do bloke. Yeah, absolutely. And if you do have, a, a, you know, car- um, directors like Camfield, like you had for you know, most of Inferno, I guess, then... Mm. And you can see that being very different. I I do still wonder if that was the precedent for 70s colour Doctor Who, whether it was all shot on film, like how wonderful that would be. That's, because those Avengers yeah. episodes all on film, they just... Mm-hmm. Even like the black and white ones that are all... Uh, do you remember the very first Diana Rigg one where she's there on that island with... Um, it's not an island, it's like a town, isn't it? Town of No Return. Yeah, that's the first one in that black and white um, season. Stunning on film. It really does. I was watching that the other day, actually. It is probably my favourite Avengers um, uh, season, that black and white Emma Peel one. It's very, very good. The Christmas one where Steve's having the nightmares, it's, I find it chilling with those scary Santa Clauses laughing away at him in black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even like, um, skip forward a bit to the new adventures, um, like the first one on the island, you know, where the guys are like with the fishing rods, like grabbing people with the oh, hook. Oh, that right. It's yeah. super, like really stylish. Like if Doctor Who had that mm. kind of budget, like they had the imagination and clearly here they've got the money, but the, the, the trade-off for the invasion looking as good as it is, is the Crotons is next. <laughs> no? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite right. And the, oh, and, and, and the crotons features a bit of cardboard posing as a door, wobbling precariously as it opens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and again, it probably lends weight as to why Sherwin was thinking we should set it all on Earth so he doesn't have to go to, uh, you know, the planet of the Gons and the Croton because that's just really a, a crappy quarry with, with crappy sets as well and crappy monster designs where instead you could, you know, do a lot of that make it look visually impressive by just having it shot in London and, and the surrounds. This, um, I think he was onto the planner. This, this sort of, um, you know, like cyber brain, it's not unprecedented, is it? Like there are other, obviously you had the cyber controller in Tomb of the Cyber. Wheel in Space? Oh, uh, yes, yeah. in Tomb of the Cyber. Wheel what? in Space as well. What was it? It was just like a light, wasn't it? I can't remember what yeah, it was. It, it, I mean, it was a pretty cheap yeah. <laughs> prop, really, but yeah, I, I get I get the impression that they were trying to bring that back, maybe with a little bit more money here. So I think I mean, they're no, trying to do something similar to like the Emperor Dalek with this, because this is a big prop. It's like the yeah. size of the set. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's a really good call. I hadn't thought of that before, but essentially this being uh, the Emperor Dalek equivalent for the Cybermen, the big brain that controls everything. I could, yeah, that could well be it. You hear how he talks like kind of, uh, kind of in slow motion, that, that cyber planner. Yeah. That's what, that's what I hear when I'm a bit drunk. That's how everyone sounds to me when I'm <laughs> what, it's and, like, it's like birthing the Cybermen. It's a bit creepy, isn't it? It is a little, isn't it? Those sort of sacks that they emerge from, almost like, um, uh, is it puppies that are born in sacks and they sort of, you know, burst their way out? 
my mum told me that the stork used to fly over and deliver sacks down you know and we burst out of those and that's how we came to be yeah (laughs) and i saw this and i was like bloody hell it's the side men inside those sacks that the stork's delivering (laughs) they look so good in black and white i don't think the side men ever look as good in color or rarely i think i think the best time is um earth shock in classic who where it's you know all the shots of them in the silos and mm-hmm. March, uh, but it's almost black and white again because it's very grey in those sets. The lighting's very dramatic. The lighting, yeah, yeah. The lighting has a lot to do with it, and light, lighting has a lot to do with it here. You know, we were just in in Vaughan's factory there, um, which is again just another set. But the way that it's lit and it's glinting off the angles uh, of of the Cybermen's heads, and then sort of shot from behind and um, uh, you know sort of um down as well from a from lower angle like it's just camfield pulling out all those tricks to make it look more impressive than it actually is because those cybermen designs and the the actual sort of costumes they're not great like if you see them yeah. in museums quite, or uh, photographs well they're quite padded suits aren't they? Like diver suits they're quite yeah. spongy yeah. And, and a bit cuddly really but the way you should like yeah. at the end of this where he i'm oh, sorry he's got the camera in that sewer askew and the side mm-hmm. man's like coming out of the dark like into the light. Lo- <laughs> It's really scary, though. Like, for a child yeah. watching this, it's like the Simon's literally coming out of the dark towards them. Yeah, yeah. But when you think about the colour stories, like, think of them in full Technicolor in Revenge of the Cybermen or, you know, out on location mm. in Silver Nemesis. And they just... Silver Nemesis. Their yeah. impacts, don't they, completely? Yeah, it's the, and it's the lighting, but it's also the framing as well. Um, the worst thing that you can do is, like, kind of what we have in Revenge of the Cybermen is just you know standing under the full glare of the studio lights in you know with their hands on their hips in all their horrible glory to say here we are that's not the way to shoot them at all it is you about it says you will be fragmatized doctor <laughs> <laughs> like then skip into the new series and graham harper gets them first in rise of the cybermen and those sequences where they smash through the windows and it's all yeah. shot from below and dramatic close-ups on the face close-ups he knows yeah. how to shoot them you know yeah but I, absolutely protege of douglas camfield Douglas camfield yeah absolutely right absolutely right yeah i wonder whether graham harper was sort of on, do we know whether he's listed, uh, credited as, as part of the, the crew for the invasion? The first time I know of them, I know they've worked together before this, but in Doctor Who, I think the first time I know of it is Caesar Doom. I know they were definitely working on that together. Yeah, okay, yeah. So that was the first time. Um, a shout out for the sound designers of Doctor Who, who I have always said are the most underrated part of the production, because very mm. often the sound has to do what the visuals can't and in stories like the mind robber the sound design is creepy and scary as um whereas the visuals are a bit tatty and (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was watching the web planet the other week uh there's another example i mean you can say a lot about the uh the bleeping of the the zabi but that that, aspirins with you while you're watching that one yeah (laughs) it does get a bit much after a while but the utter alienness of that story and the absolute um you know we're just going to make this so unsettling and so unnerving and and the soundscape has a lot to, to do with that and and here is again with the what do you want to call it the the not the neural inhibitor but the the opposite of that or the, the thing that um, unleashes the cybermen's emotions and the way that it, the 
you know, you have the Cybermen screaming in pain. That's chilling, isn't it? The screaming. Yeah. And for, interestingly enough, that's something they lean into in the latter day new series. Like certainly in Moffat's time, emotion being their their biggest weakness. Yeah, We're done here first. Yeah, yeah. I, I never liked the whole gold thing. I think that's just a horrible MacGuffin that makes no logical sense. And really, I mean, hang on, hang on. It ain't just gold though, is it? It's the old poly cocktail. You've got um, <laughs> the arrows and the gold coins. I, I mean, what about in closing time? The power of love destroys oh. them. <laughs> yeah. Next, it'll be a stiff wind that sort of, you know, does them oh, in the end, you know? <laughs> Just blow them all over. Wind. Jesus. <laughs> See, now this is where you know she's absolute companion material. She's straight down those sewers with her camera. Yeah. And, you know, this is a bit of, well, you could call it padding, but how charming, you know, the three of them say, you know, oh, we'll show you, we'll actually get the evidence that you need to prove to, um, you know, the government and go over Rutledge's head so that we can actually take action against you, um, uh, i.e. there and Vaughan. Um, but it's because, it's because we have the time to do it and the characters um, are allowed to sort of, well, the characterization that comes through it is, is valid. I don't, you know, it's, charming and we are able to spend more time with them they've got a bit of agency and you know are able to to have their own plot lines that's not necessarily the case in a four-parter where it's very much yes doctor and you know the guest cast are very much just in the background i think if you're writing an eight-part doctor who story and you haven't got a pretty formidable guest cast that mm. can entertain you with moments like this along the way you're in trouble now again we'll point at the space pirates there aren't any wow. real memorable guest characters in that and it's a bloody slog to get through you know because of it yeah and it's not just the construction of the characters it's how they how they interact with the others so you know i think i've mentioned this a few times already but the pairing up we've got isabel and uh, and zoe the way that they pair up you've got the doctor and and and, and jamie the doctor against vaughn the brigadier and the doctor this All of these great little combinations. The pair of them going off like, oh, should we let him come? You know. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's so fun. I love how Jamie always try, tries to be the man and fails miserably. Yeah. That bit in um, Here with the Sidemen where he grabs the doctor's hand as they're going. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Brilliant. Oh, it's so good. Ah, it's interesting actually because this is where Trout and these middle episodes now is where Trout and only gets like a few scenes per episode until maybe like yeah. uh, seven and eight. But it's I like I said to you before, I think they've got such a that his workload was extensive. You know, he was putting out forty-eight episodes a year or something like that—a ridiculous number of episodes. Mm. Compare that to what they do now. Um, five months a year or something and they say that's hard work um yeah. i think there is something in the fact that they they did this long story and there was such an extensive guest cast and such strong villains to give him a little bit of a breather yeah and and you know again compared to the space pirates there isn't the strength in those characters in those situations to leave the doctor jamie and zoe out of it and for it to be interesting whereas here we can gladly have an episode about packer essentially we can gladly have an episode about the you know um the, 
crazy kids in the in, in the uh, in the sewers. We can gladly have an episode where you know Packer is being screamed at by Vaughn, and we don't feel that absence. I did not appreciate that um, Jamie disappears for a, an episode. I think it's episode eight, perhaps, except for the. The, the bit at the end until someone pointed it out to me because there's more than enough so you know, lovely wonderful characters and great yeah exactly that you you're sort of distracted by that interesting zoe steps into the breach then has those wonderful scenes where she's doing all the calculations and oh can't we keep yeah. it? Oh, no, she's much prettier than the computer i wonder whether that's a bit of a cheat in the sense that you have people sitting around tensely in a room waiting for news of what's happening in the action whereas we just can't afford to visualize the action it's a bit anticlimactic isn't it after episode seven which is which is like promises lows and then delivers mm -hmm. that in, like essential set piece at the end yeah it's so amazing he's so arrogant this man his ego is so monstrous he thinks that he's <laughs> more impressive than the entire cyber force you know yeah. <laughs> and that he's in control of them and that they would never turn on him you know but this, again, this is another hallmark of the way that this story changes. So in the first four episodes, he's a Bondian supervillain, as we've mentioned. But here, he just becomes, I don't know, Ringway or Deflores. He's the, the sidekick or the, the human who foolishly arrogates unto himself the position of, you know, power over these, um, you know, m metal monsters. And I mean, that's never going to end well. But that is what he is. Yeah, like, he is that throughout. He is the Ringway. He is the Deflores. But he never thinks he is. <laughs> yeah, true. No, but also because outside this story, he's riding high on his own arrogance. Yeah, absolutely. Which is what makes you know, in part, um, what makes a, a really fantastic villain, um, particularly when he's borrowed from that sort of Bondian discourse. But well, the reason why I feel it works, any Bond villain, none of them think that they are not the most impressive person on the entire planet. <laughs> Yeah, that hubris is a fatal flaw or the, um, in part of their undoing. But the reason why I think that isn't such an issue in the first four episodes is because we actually don't have the Cybermen. We've got the Cyber Controller that sort of sits impotently almost in a cupboard. Um, and we've got flashes or hints of the Cyberman, but we don't actually get the reveal until the end of part four when Jamie's trapped, uh, as you say. Um, and so as a result, he does seem omnipotent he does seem you know the most powerful man in the world because you know his instruments and um you know products are all over the place and um he's ubiquitous you know he's able to, to spy on everyone at any time uh and basically be above the law and that changes i feel here in, in, the, in the last four episodes where he, he's just basically a stooge for the sidemen um, I feel like I need to um, tell you about the sheer depths of geekery that can occur within fandom. Uh, now, uh, Mark Rawlins from Two Watch Who has actually the manhole that they go down in a minute, found that manhole and taken a picture going down it. Yes, this it is it's a sad old affair, but there we go. I have enormous respect sympathy <laughs> and respect for that because um i don't know what being... you're talking about you and me are going to go off the planet Isarius. well exactly and we're going to you know check out castro Velva as well while while i'm over there when well, god knows when that's going to happen next but hopefully soon um I no i i doctor who pilgrimages um, are definitely the things that i've done i was hoping that we could go to the quarry of time and the rani and visit lakersha <laughs> <laughs> i've set a few small explosions 
So whilst we're there, we can pretend bubble traps are going off and things. Bubble traps. <laughs> I don't really fancy venturing Perfect. back to the sewers though, like this. Okay. Well, probably not. No. There it is. That's I mean, the a flat in you know a series of flats in Ealing, uh, Ealing Studio. Then maybe we could do that. Have you noticed that? Camfield shooting these scenes with like the most sophisticated like, I don't know where this is it looks like Canary Wharf somewhere like that it's all kind of high-tech okay. buildings around that he's shooting yeah and I guess that's not common for London is it like uh, and particularly back then there wouldn't have been too much in the way of high-rises and and skyscrapers and maybe you're right maybe it was Canary Wharf at that don't, time don't believe Ross T Davis's Doctor Who right? a lot of London is pretty grim yeah, but all, a lot of London is also heritage listed. So you've got those beautiful terrace homes, uh, like, you know, opposite um, uh, Bedford Square in, in the war machines. And that, that's the kind of height that most of London is, right? Yeah. And I, I think that's what, what draws in a lot of horror, uh, a lot of um, tourism as well, is the, the heritage, mm. history, you know, the fact that every location has got a past. Hmm. Um, that's, yeah, that's a massive sewer set, you know, that looks massive. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he does it in Web of Fury as well, just makes it look so real. And it's so with the lighting. Much I have a lot of time with the old positive negative effect, especially in black and white. It's interesting, it works, it works better, I feel, in black and white. In, in color, it just looks like a cheap trick where they've, you know, um, just done the whole, uh, you know, uh, whatever you call it but inverse inverted the entire color scale and it never looked right when i saw uh those doctor who episodes where particularly daleks were exterminating, exterminating people with rays you didn't get to see the ray you just saw that that effect like in genesis it wasn't quite when right. i when i first saw this right this and the war games i remember when they first came out on vhs mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. i was working in a department store and i was doing very early shifts and when the videos okay. came out i would i would get up at like four o'clock i'd have to leave at five and i would watch an episode in the dark before <laughs> and i did one episode a day every day and i remember oh, this cliffhanger and i was desperate to see the next one like that <laughs> psychotic emotional side man heading down the sewers towards them it's a great cliffhanger that i think atypical like really really interesting yeah no that that is absolutely a cracker and there's so many of them in this story and so many still to come